We are in a series called Peace in the Storm, and today is the last message as we wrap that up. And so the last couple of months, we've really talked about how do we have peace as we're going through trials, as we're going through hard times, as, as we're going through the different seasons of our life, the storms. How do we, how do we maintain that peace? And we've heard some really great messages uh, from Pastor Perry, from Pastor Michael. We had Pastor Dino in here one Sunday. It's been a, been a great series, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, as we wrap up today, what I wanted to talk about uh, was how do we take that peace into our daily life? In, in other words, how do we, we turn peace into action? How do we take it into our life throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the months? Um, because I think sometimes when we think peace, it's easy to think of relaxation. It's easy to think uh, of taking a nap or staying home um, or, or getting cozy, right? We associate those things with peace. However, I think that peace isn't meant just about that. It's not meant to just be at home and take naps and, and meditate or be the llama from Zootopia for all the parents who watch a lot of kids' movies during quarantine. Um, but it's actually meant to guard us as we take action, as we move forward in our life. And so uh, where did I get that idea? Where did I get this idea that peace is meant for action, that it's meant to go out into our life and, and not just about uh, relaxing? Well, I got that from two places. One, my mom. Uh, and two, the Bible. So you say, well, uh, which was it first? It was my mom first, but it was my mom quoting the Bible. So what I want to do is take you to Scripture and show you what I'm talking about when I say peace and action, uh, and then, and then I'll, I'll fill you in on how my mom plays a role in that. So if you'll go with me to Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, some scriptures I have gotten down in my heart. I've memorized in one way or another because of life situations. I was going through something and I needed a verse, I needed a passage or a story, and God led me to it, whether it be through a sermon or my own study. And, and, and those verses or those passages stuck with me. Another way that certain verses and passages have kind of stuck in my heart is because my mom prayed them over me as a child, spoke them to me constantly. This verse about having peace that passes understanding, uh, that goes into that latter category. It's one that every night when I was going to bed and my mom would pray for me, she would pray that God would give me a peace that passes all understanding and that would guard my heart and mind. When I was going through stressful situations, hitting puberty or going through my teenage years, right, my mom would remind me of this verse. Uh, when I was looking for a new job or having a relationship problem or whatever it was, my mom was always praying this verse over me and reminding me of it so much so that, that I know it. It comes to mind now when I'm stressed, when I'm going through something tough, this verse comes to mind. And here's why I love it and here's why it comes to mind so often is that it says that we could have a peace that passes understanding, meaning we can have a peace that doesn't even make sense to people outside of our own life. Uh, what do I mean by that? You can be going th through something that's very stressful, uh, very hard, and from the outside, maybe you've experienced this, somebody else might say, I don't know how you deal with that, right? I don't know how you deal with that difficult child or that, that crazy job you have uh, or, or that ministry that you do at your church or whatever it is, whatever challenging thing is going on in your life, others may say, I don't know how you deal with that, but you know how you deal with it. It's because God has given you a peace that passes, that goes beyond your circumstances, that goes beyond what makes sense. And that's what Paul is praying over the church here. And that's what my mom prayed over me. And it's actually what I now pray over my own children and over myself when I'm going through storms. And it says that when we trust God like this, right? When we take our storms, our burdens, our anxieties to him, 
uh, and we allow him to give us that peace, that that peace would guard our heart and mind. And that's an important word. I love that word there because what that word is, it's, it's a military word. It's supposed to drum up imagery of like armed guards around your mind and around your heart guarding you. Right? That as you go through things that are challenging, as you face the enemy, uh, you would have God's peace literally guarding your heart and mind. Right? And that, that is the kind of peace that we're to have. That even when circumstances are hard, when they're tough, when they don't make sense, that we could have God's peace guarding our heart and mind. And I want to be transparent about my own life. I've had times uh, in my life where I think I've gotten this right. And I've been able to trust God and had that peace guard my heart and mind and, and walk me through different situations that have been challenging. And I've had other times uh, that I have not done this well. I've had times where I've given in to fear, given in to stress, given in to anxiety. Um, and, and the funniest thing is as I was planning the sermon and thinking about it, I think that often the times I freaked out the most uh, and kind of didn't trust God and didn't have that peace, looking back, those were often the smaller situations. Uh, and, and the ones that were more challenging and required more of me, often those are the ones where I trusted God more and actually experienced that peace. So if I could get even more just real with you guys, I'll give you a couple examples from my own life. Where, where One where I feel like um, I've been able to trust God and have that peace guiding me, and another where uh, I really let my fear and anxiety get the best of me. So, so I'll, I'll go with the, the, the worst one first. That was buying a home a few years ago, right? Me and Janelle moved into a new house. Uh, and if you've ever bought a new house, uh, it, it can be stressful, right? Um, with inspections and money and everything else involved, you're trying to figure out everything, right? And I knew we were supposed to move. Me and Janelle both knew it. We felt like it was the right time. We had, we had a lot of peace about that. But as we moved forward, I just let every little thing get to my heart, right? Whether it was something that was gonna need to be fixed or something changed with the financing or what, everything that happened, uh, I let it get to me and it affected me. And, and, and looking back, I can see that was not only unhealthy for me, but it was ungodly. It wasn't what God wanted for me. I should have trusted him. I should have been taking those burdens to him with prayer and thanksgiving and allowing that peace to guard my heart and mind. And instead, I embraced fear and anxiety and, and it really messed me up during that season. Now I came out of it um, and I trust God again and, I, and I'm not afraid of my house or anything else there. Um, uh, in a different way, something that I, I feel I have been able to trust God. Many of you guys know our story. Uh, me and Janelle have been in an adoption process, adopting a child from Haiti for about three years now. Um, and it, it, it's been a long road. But that's one where pretty much from day one, God gave us peace that we were doing this um, because he called us to and, and we felt like it was right for our family. Uh, and I've been able to hold on to that. That doesn't mean there weren't challenges. That doesn't mean there haven't been days or weeks where some new thing came up and we had to pray through it and really really ask God, like, are we still in the right? Is this what you want for our family? Are we doing the right thing? Um, but as we've done that, we've continued to be flooded with that peace and it's guarded our heart and mind. Even at times where we've had, had to pray through, you know, what if it's dangerous when we get there? Because there have been instances that that's happened. Um, and even recently with the pandemic, all travel is banned. We can't go there. So this is going to take longer. And we had to pray through that again. Okay, are we okay with that? And we're, we, we don't know what the future holds for us there, but what we do know is that God's in control. And so we can take those burdens, those storms, those challenges to him. And that peace guards our heart and mind and allows us to make good decisions and allows us to continue to pursue the life that he's called us to. This verse has been critical in my life. It's one that I would encourage all of you to take to heart and to start to pray over yourself, pray over your children, and, and, and allow it to 
enable you to live the life that God's called you to live. And so as we move from this, what I want to do is take you through three things, kind of three steps that I think allow you to have peace as you live out the calling that God's had on your life. And so we're going to get into some scripture, but the first point, the first thing that I think uh, having that peace guard your heart and mind will allow, that, that you need to do to be able to have that kind of peace is this. One, be honest where you're at in the storm with God and with other believers. And so if you want to have peace that can guard your heart and mind, if you want to have peace that surpasses your understanding, you can't fake it. Having peace doesn't come from a place of faking it, from a place of lies, from a place of being dishonest. If you're having a hard time, if you're struggling with something, you need to be able to admit that to yourself, sure, but also to God and also to others. And what I love is when I go to scripture, I see people that loved God that were just gut-wrenchingly honest with him and with the people around them. Just thinking through the Old Testament, you have people like Elijah who had a, had a showdown with some false prophets. He literally calls fire down from heaven. Uh, and afterwards, he finds out that the queen in the city wants to kill him. He goes out into the wilderness, lays down, and asks that God would kill him, right? Th th this is how honest he's being with God. God says, hey, I want you to eat, and I want you to sleep, and I want you to, to rest because I have more work for you to do. And Elijah says, could you just kill me? Right? This is the kind of honesty that, that we should have in our prayer life when we're talking to God and with other people around us that love God. So, so I love that about Elijah. If you look at Sarah, Abraham's wife, God shows up and, and tells Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a baby in their old age. Sarah, in her honesty, begins to laugh. She thinks it's hilarious because she's thinking, there's no way that can happen. I'm in my 90s. I can't have a child. So much so that God actually calls her out and says, hey, you're laughing. And she tries to backpedal it. And she says, no, no, I wasn't, I, I wasn't laughing. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you were. Actually, you were laughing. Um, and, and so again, there's a level of honesty there. One of my favorites, a, a hero of mine when it comes to being honest is David. If you read through the Psalms, David, it's nothing but David being honest. And he runs the gamut on feelings and emotions. And so I, I look at Psalms and I see him go everywhere from Psalm 139 where he says, God, everywhere I go, there is your presence, right? If I go to the mountaintops, there's your presence. If I go down to the depths of the sea, your presence is there with me. And you're like, okay, so David's the guy who's just walking around in the presence of God. But then you go to Psalm 13 and he says, Lord, how long will you hide from me? Forever? And so he has this whole array of emotions and he's honest about it. And the best part is the Psalms weren't just David's diary. I think sometimes we read it and think, oh, David's just in the corner writing these things down to kind of get his feelings out. He's writing Psalms that were then taken to the temple often and sung amongst the congregation. So imagine when he's saying, God, it feels like you have hidden away from me. And then he goes to, to, to temple that, that Saturday, right, for them. Or for us, it would be church on Sunday. And now everyone's singing out your struggles. Everyone's singing your doubts, right? That's the level of honesty uh, that we need to have as believers because when we do, we can start to build a foundation of peace. And then if we skip ahead into the New Testament, you see someone like Thomas. He was a, a, an apostle, a disciple, following after Jesus. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he had appeared to most of the disciples. But Thomas wasn't there. He hadn't seen him. And when they fill in Thomas, that Jesus is back from the dead, Thomas just straight up says, I don't believe it. You know, and I'm not going to believe it until Jesus shows up to me and lets me touch his hands and feet. Lets me see the hole in his side. Right? And so you have these people that are honest. So if you are having a struggle, if you're going through a storm, I want to say the first thing you have to do is be honest about it. 
Just really be honest. Be honest with God, but also be honest with the community of believers you have around you in this church. That you can say, I'm having doubts. I'm having struggles. I'm having problems in my marriage. Whatever it is, be honest. I've heard it said before that Christians have their own version of the F word, and it's fine. Right? That too often we just say, I'm doing fine, when we're not doing fine. If you're not doing fine, it's okay. Right? You are in good company. Because there was a lot of people throughout Scripture and a lot of people throughout the history of the church who were not doing fine. But you have to admit it. <clears throat> and when you do admit it, we have some reassurance here. In Philippians, what we were reading earlier is it says that we would take those to God, right? That we would take our, our burdens, that we would take our anxieties, that we wouldn't let those things overwhelm us, but instead taking it to God with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, right? So this is the idea is that we can be honest about those. We can just take that to God and say, hey, here's my burdens. Here's the things that I'm struggling with. And we can take it to the believers around us and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. And when we do that, if you go back to those people I talked about earlier, Elijah, you know what he does out in the wilderness? God feeds him, lets him sleep, and then he gets back to work for God, right? That's a lesson in itself. Sometimes we just need some sleep and we need a good meal to get rejuvenated. Life's not terrible. We were just hungry and tired, right? And Elijah gets back at what God called him to do. Sarah does have the baby that God told her she would have, and it's the baby that births out the nation of Israel, right? It's Isaac, and from him, every, everyone else comes, David, we see him, again, that full gamut. So I already kind of mentioned it, but we see him at those moments where he doesn't feel God's presence. But then we see him at moments where he's saying, look, you're everywhere, God. Everywhere I go, you're there. And, and with Thomas, Jesus shows up and he says, yeah, touch the holes in my hands, right? Look at the hole in, in my side. Jesus doesn't abandon him in his doubt, but rather he meets him there. And so that's the beauty is when we're honest, God will meet us there. God's people will meet us there. And another place that you can do this I don't think anybody is going to be surprised by me saying this. Small groups. The small group pastor's preaching, and he's telling you to go to small groups, to join a small group. In our small groups, you can have that opportunity to connect with other believers and tell them when you're struggling and be honest with them. When you guys go around at the end of your small group and say, hey, what do you need prayer for? It's a great time to be honest, to practice this kind of honesty, because it is the foundation of building peace in your life. You can't build peace on a foundation of lies. It has to be built on honesty. Whether you're doing well or not, be honest about it. But I want to couple that idea of being honest uh, with this next idea. So if, if the first point in this is that we have to be honest, the second point is that we worship through your storm. Worship through your storm. Whatever your storm is, if it's doubt, if it's anxiety, if it's some kind of physical suffering, whatever it is, continue to worship. You know, I know we've talked about that some in this series already, but I want to come back to it that whatever you're going through, don't wait for it to be over to worship. You need to worship through it. And this is, again, back to the verse in Philippians. It says that we should bring all those problems, all of our storms, all of our burdens. We bring them to God with prayer and thanksgiving. Right? The word is right there in the scripture that, that as we're bringing those, we're bringing it with thanksgiving. It doesn't mean that things feel perfect or, or that you have to be super excited about how you feel, but that you can continue to thank God. You continue to worship God. And I have a, a verse for this that I love. It's a really odd verse that you may not see coming, but it's in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. And what's happening in Matthew 28 is that Jesus has risen from the dead and he's appeared to all of his disciples. And he spent time at different locations with different groups of people. Um, and, and Matthew 28 is where he is about to ascend back into heaven. 
right? And they know that's coming. They know that he is about to leave. He's prepped them for that. He's, he's mentioned that. And I always think of what a crazy season from, from Jesus's death, resurrection to him ascending, what a wild ride that must have been for the disciples, right? They, they spent several years following Jesus. And, and when he died, they were devastated. They didn't know what to do. They were confused. It literally said they locked themselves away, right? And then three days later, you start having appearances of Jesus, right? First to some women and then to some of the disciples and then it grows to all of them. But man, what a crazy time. They go from serving him and thinking he's the Messiah, he's the one to, oh, he's dead and we're going to lock away because we don't know what we just did with the last three years of our life to, oh, he's back from the dead and you saw him, but I haven't seen him yet. And so this is wild ride. And then he's instructing them on what the church is going to look like and what they're to do now that he's going to leave. So now he's back from the dead, but he's leaving again. And he's saying, hey, I'm leaving for good. And you guys got to go out and do the work. And so what a crazy, to me, in my opinion, storm that they were going through, right? Because it's just this, this wild ride of emotions and, and feelings and things that they're, they're experiencing. And so I think that leads us really to this verse, Matthew 28, Jesus has told them to meet him on a mountain and basically so he can say his goodbyes. And, and in verse 16 and 17, it says this, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some of them doubt it. I love that. Why do I love that? Because it doesn't say some of them worshiped and some of them doubted. It says they worshiped, but some of them doubted. As if to say, all of them are worshiping, right? That, that's what seems to be clear in the verse. They see Jesus and all of them are worshiping, but even amongst those worshiping, some of them had doubts. Some of them are still confused. Some of them are still like, what, what, what just happened? What's, what's going on right now? Like, they're worshiping in the midst of their storm, in the midst of these feelings of confusion and doubt, they're still worshiping. And so whatever you're going through, whatever storm you face today, tomorrow, next year, the goal is to continue to worship. Yes, be honest about it. Be honest with God. Be honest about it, right? Thomas was honest about how he didn't believe, but he's also right there with the 11 worshiping, right? So be honest about where you're at, but continue to worship. You don't have to feel perfect to be thankful, to be grateful, to lift your voice up to God. Be honest, but also continue to worship. And then if you can do that, if you can be honest with God and others around you, and you can continue to worship, the last thing that you need to do in the storm to maintain peace, to have peace, and this is critical, because again, I, I said that peace isn't meant for you just to stay home and relax, but peace is actually meant to be lived out. It's meant to guard your heart and mind as you go through the storms of life. The last thing that you have to do with peace is to take risks in the storm because God's got you. He's got you. And so I want to take you to a, one more passage here in Scripture that I think beautifully illustrates this. And a lot of us have heard this story, especially if you grew up in church, and it's the story of Jesus walking on water. And what's happened here is that Jesus performed some amazing miracles. He fed the 5,000, uh, and then he sends the disciples out on a boat and says, I'll join up with you later. No real explanation of how he's going to join up, right? I think they probably imagine he's going to get on another boat, right? That would be the logical thing. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe they're going to come back and, and, and see him there. Who knows? They, they, they don't have any idea of how Jesus is going to meet them if they go on the boat and go out to sea. So then it says in the middle of the night, like three, four in the morning, uh, it's stormy, right? The wind is strong, the waves are strong. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking on the water to them. They are afraid, and they actually say that it's a ghost. 
And Jesus says, whoa, 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 hey, no, it's me, Jesus. And, and this is what I love, this next part here. Uh, if we pick it up, Matthew 14, pick it up in verse 28. Peter, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, he says this. He says, uh, it says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Man, I, I love stories about Peter, um, probably because out of any of the disciples, I relate to him the most. Uh, he had a big mouth. He did not seem to have much of a filter. Maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe you have friends like that. Peter's the guy in the group who just says what he's thinking, and it's not always right. Uh, I also love Peter because of his faith, because he wanted to take risks for God. And so here we have all the disciples thinking, this is a ghost, and Jesus says, no, it's me. And Peter's, <laughs> Peter's like, hey, if it's you, let me walk on water, right? Uh, a lot of times we ask God for a sign before we move. Peter's like, hey, let the sign be that I get to move. Like, let the sign be that I get to do something crazy. And if it works, then I'll know you're God. What was the alternative? I kind of think through this. He says, hey, if you're really Jesus, let me walk on water. And he goes, yeah, go ahead. Peter steps out of the boat. Hypothetically, if it wasn't Jesus, what was the game plan? Peter just sinks? Like, I mean, he's saying, prove you're Jesus by letting me do this. But if it wasn't Jesus, then Peter was just going to sink. It's a really funny story to think about in that context. Um, but why does this relate to peace? This is really important. Is because when we fail and we realize that God has us, that he won't give up on us, it creates assurance and peace in our heart and in our mind. And so, so Peter had enough faith to actually get out of the boat and walk out to Jesus. That took faith, right? And he got scared and began to sink. And then Jesus comes along and saves him and picks him up. And so this is what I, I really want to draw from this story and, and, and say to you, is that by taking risks in the storm, either way, it's going to create peace in your life. And here's why. If it works, you get that reassurance that God really called you to do that and, you, and, and was with you along the way. If you fail, you will see that God is with you and will pick you back up and restore you. And I can say one of the reasons that I have so much trust in God isn't just because of the things that worked out. It's because of the, the, the many, many things that failed in my life, right? When I, when I first got married, I, I packed up our stuff and we moved to Texas to work for a ministry of which I got fired from a year later. And we had to figure out what the heck do we do with our life now, right? And then the next thing we did was start a church, which also didn't work out. I've had jobs that didn't work out. I've been fired from multiple places. Uh, I've had relationships fall apart. I've had a lot of failures in my life. And, and what I can say is that all of those produced more faith and more peace than, than probably a lot of the successes at times. Because every time I failed, I saw God there picking me up and restoring me and reminding me that there's countless second chances with him. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in a storm, don't think, man, I want to do this great thing for God, but I'm going to wait until this time of my life is over. I'm going to wait until things get better. I'm going to wait till I'm more financially secure or, or more stable or more whatever. No, in the midst of the storm, if God's called you to do something, 
be assured that when you step out, whether it works or whether you fail, God's going to be with you and you will have more peace at the end of that. And I love to think about that, that no matter what, God's going to be faithful to you. So much so that in 2 Timothy, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, but I love it, it just says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. So even when we screw up, even when we, we get it wrong, God is faithful to us. So this is why we can take risks in the storm because we can be assured that God is with us. We can be assured that he has us. With each failure, God's gonna pick us up and we're gonna gain more confidence and more trust and more peace. I guarantee you that Peter probably had more faith after that instance, but I know he had more peace because he's thinking, man, I, I, I basically just messed up out there in the water and God still had me. He didn't say, oh, I guess you're gonna drown now, Peter. He just picked him up and restored him and took him back to the boat. And so I don't know what risks you're thinking about. Maybe it's, you know, starting a business or, or doing some new ministry or adopting a child or funding missions or, or going on missions. Or There's something in your heart that God has given you as a dream, a calling, something you want to do. Start to pursue that. There's never going to be a perfect time. You have to start to go after it today. And if you fail, you can be assured God will be there with you. That's the beauty of the peace of God is that it's there when things go well and it's there when things don't. And I would argue that it gets stronger even when things don't work out. And so as we wrap up, I actually want to come back to the scripture that we opened with and have a chance to read it one more time and then just pray it out over you guys. But before we do that, I do want to talk to one group of people. There are some of you watching today that aren't following Jesus, right? You're still in the boat and Jesus is out there calling to you and you want to go to him, but you haven't yet. And so if that's you, I, I, I want to let you know that it's not complicated. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you would be saved. <clears throat> and so today, right where you're at, right at home, you can make this your own. You can just talk to Jesus. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me new. From this day on, I want to follow you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that, right now in the chat, you should see a button letting us know that that's the first time you prayed that prayer. And if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can send us a message and let us know because we would love to connect with you. We would love to help you on this journey of following Jesus. And for everyone here, again, I want to come back one last time to this opening verse that we had and then just have a chance to pray for you guys. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, again, a verse that I would encourage everybody to get down in your heart because it is going to help you through, through your life. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for everybody. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for a chance to share your word. And God, I, I just pray this out over our, our people, all the people that have tuned in today, God. Lord, that we would be able to take our storms, our trials. Lord, instead of having anxiety, instead of, uh, of being burdened with stress and fear and, and, and other things, Lord, that we would be able to turn them over to you with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. God, and I pray that your peace that surpasses our understanding will guard the hearts and minds of every person listening to my voice. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for that peace that enables us to go through the storms that come to us. 
Lord, that we could be honest, that we could worship you in the midst of those storms, and that we can take risks because we have your peace guarding our hearts and our minds. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for, for watching. I uh, love you so much. I can't wait to be back in person with you. Everybody have a great week.